0: The Rich and Mike Show, Flagler County's hometown sports show. Here are your hosts, Rich Carroll and Mike Licio. Yes, it's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Good Saturday morning, Flagler County. And a good Saturday morning to you, Mike Licio. Rich, I don't mind turning 50.
1: The problem <laughs> 50. was when yesterday started, I'd only I was only 42.
0: That's right. Happy birthday. Belated birthday at this point to Mike Lichio. Feeling 42 because of Taylor Swift. I don't know what you said uh, on the broadcast, but. uh. (laughs)
1: Well, I said, I I said, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 42. And then, of course, 1989 by Taylor Swift was released yesterday. And in our game, we had a 22 to 22
0: score at one point. That's right. Oh, my goodness. And, and And, And my wife's birthday is the 22nd of July. This keeps getting weirder.
1: See, that's. It's 22. It's like, you know, Taylor Swift says her number is 13. And I, I, you know, and I actually, if you remember, I dropped some references to the song 15 into some of the sports reports when FPC was playing Matanzas in the 15th Potato Bowl on September 15th. But it's been in the football world, not just in the Flagler County sports, but all across the football world. It's been Taylor Swift's year. And, you know, so. <laughs> At least there's some joy from that, but not much joy in Mudville last night, Rich.
0: Ah, rough night for Flagler County football. Both teams losing big games. Pirates up in Menendez. And of course the game we had right here on News Radio WNZF, 94.9 FM, and on the Flagler Radio YouTube channel, the FPC Bulldogs in a district matchup with Tacoy Creek. And both teams looking for their first district victory. We felt that FBC really needed to win this game to at least keep their playoff hopes alive. And they lose about as tough a game as you could imagine losing in that scenario at home 29-28 to 28, where the coach goes for the two-point conversion at the end and they're unable to get it. Two tries at it with the, uh, the elephant, which to Koi Creek, they were unable to stop the thing all night it, you know, It seemed like they were averaging 6 to 10 yards a carry on the thing, and all of a sudden, and that gives you confidence to go for it at the end with the elephant, and it's stuffed twice, or at least from where we were. It was hard to tell. A lot of people in the stands felt that uh, FPC, especially on the first attempt, did get in. They get a second attempt because I, I, I guess it was an inadvertent whistle, very odd situation, and there were a couple of calls like that last night. Um, But the Bulldogs, they trailed throughout this game. They kept coming back. Uh, It looked like they were going to go into halftime down two scores when they get this incredible 80-yard touchdown from Gonzalez to Caliendo to get it within one score. Then they get the big defensive stop to start the second half, and they tie the game. The elephant did get in for the two-point conversion that time. So, man, oh, man, with the stakes, what they were, trying to keep your season alive to lose the way they did. And and both teams, this happened to both teams last night. Oh, I, I mean, it, it's as tough a game as you can imagine losing in that scenario, Mike.
1: It absolutely is. Special teams ended up being the difference in the game. Shout out to our friend Matt Potak and his special teams unit because they were the difference in the game. The elephant, the shortest play the elephant had gone for last night was three yards. And the reason it won for three yards is because the ball was at the three yard line and they scored. So it was very effective. And we hadn't, I don't remember seeing a series where the elephant had actually been stopped all year. So I definitely understand what, and for those of you who don't know, the elephant is FPC when they get in short yardage situations, although they ran it on like third and seven at one point last night, they,
0: they put in. Oh yeah, Mike. And just one second right there. They go for it on... third. What did they get, like 15 yards on the carry on 19, that one? Yeah. So it was unstoppable.
1: So they'll put Marcus Mitchell, Colby Cronk, and um, a couple of defensive linemen in a single wing formation, and Colby Cronk takes it. As Rich so accurately described it, it is the it's the FPC version of the Tush Push. And just like Jason Kelsey says the Tush Push is effective 92% of the time, it feels the same with the elephant because, like I said, I don't remember the elephant ever being stopped. And it, and so that's why I kind of want to give the benefit of the doubt. You know, of course, the fans are going to say he got in. They're the FPC fans. But I want to give the fans the benefit of the doubt on this one because when have we seen it stopped?
0: No, yeah, I can't remember ever seeing it stopped and it was – so successful last night. So that's where you think, well, I, as I'm watching it and, and calling the play, especially on, on the, the first attempt, you just went, how did he not get in there? And then you see it pop out of there, uh, and we're thinking it was a fumble, then it was an inadvertent whistle. Completely bizarre situation with that play. They get a second shot at it, and it seemed like the same exact thing happened again, just unable to get uh, the ball in there. And that ultimately was the game because you had about five minutes left there and the Bulldogs had only one timeout left and they just were unable to get a stop. They would have had a shot. Maybe you get a three and out, but at that point uh, they just could not stop the Tokoy Creek running game. uh, Whether it was Galela uh, running the football effectively, or even the quarterback busting a 40 yard run there at the end, which pretty much diced the ball game. Uh, Once they got that run in there, the game was pretty much over. That's all she wrote. Uh, You give the Bulldogs credit to continue to fight throughout that ball game. Uh, You know, Marcus Mitchell, huge game running the football. He did everything he could do in that game to get them a victory. You know, uh, Caden Gonzalez was hot and cold. He started the game 0 for 5. Uh, with an interception, and then after that, I, I think if I remember your stats correctly, he was 8 for 10 after that, threw a touchdown he won- pass.
1: Mm-hmm. He won 8 for his next 10. He finished, actually, after the 5 start, he was 9 for 13 for 189 yards and two touchdowns after that. One of the things I wonder is, you know, I talked to some of the Tokoy coaches after the game, and most people could probably figure out who, but, <laughs> um, you know, and they talked about how, they weren't accounting. FPC was not accounting for Ryan Kilmer in the run game. And so that is how he was able to break off. If, if, if The situation is they have second and short at the 37-yard line with about three minutes left Tokoy on their own 37. FPC needs to get a stop and get him off the field. And Ryan Kilmer takes the ball and runs up the middle for 43 yards, really dragging tacklers about the last 10, you know, this was a different Ryan Kilmer than we saw back in um, in early September so long ago, um, but they—that's what they said to me—is that he wasn't being accounted for in the running game, and so he was able to get that big run at the end. You know, one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, FPC at times, Rich. Marcus Mitchell got going, and I understand you want to keep Marcus Mitchell's carries down. You don't want him to wear down. So I understand that part completely. You know, but there was a series where Marcus Mitchell gets a six-yard run, a five-yard run, and a five-yard run, and then they threw three straight passes and had a punt. You know, we've seen Amin and and Jaydeh get his opportunities. Tonight, two carries, 16 yards. And all year, he's been putting up those kind of numbers. And I just wonder why. I mean, he's not he's not at a point in his career where he can go out and necessarily carry a team, but he's definitely good enough to get some of those thunder and lightning carries and and you know spell Marcus Mitchell and just give the defense a different look. And that's one thing I would have liked to have seen more. I would like to have seen him get the ball more than he has. He's averaging six yards a carry this year had 53 carries coming into the game. So he was averaging, you know, roughly about seven or eight carries a game and he only got the ball twice. So Marcus Mitchell had 21 carries, 138 yards, but I would have liked to have seen AJ get involved more tonight.
0: And you can't complain about giving Marcus Mitchell the ball. I mean, the kid's incredible. He's phenomenal. He's put up some big numbers this season, but you do wish AJ would have gotten some carries in that game. And and it, it seemed like Marcus Mitchell was 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 going the entire game and uh, then he got injured and that's why a J. got those carries and he looked good. You could tell that he had the fresh legs when he came in there. So you'd like to see at least a little more balance, not equal, but more than two carries for sure. I think, I think he's earned it. And I think you help Marcus Mitchell out when you can at least get somebody in there to uh, give him a breather once in a while. And maybe they needed that for sure. Uh, What just going back to the elephant and, and that final drive, another thing I noticed, uh, and I know a lot of other people notice as well, you know, uh, when you take your best defensive player and you put him in on offense in those spots and he gets injured, which is what happened to Colby Cronk uh, on that second attempt in the, in the elephant, he couldn't get on the field for that final drive. At least I don't think he did. I know they didn't start the drive with him on the field. He was injured on the sideline. And that hurt them as well because – All right, you you were unable to punch it in. And then on top of that, in the biggest defensive series of the game, you didn't have Colby Cronk out there because he got injured on offense. So that hurt them as well. But you can second guess all you want. If you're watching that game, you definitely have the feeling that there is no way the elephant is going to be stopped. Uh, There's no way it's happening. And it did happen. And, And apparently it happened twice in a row um, I just I can't get over the fact that they got a second chance because of an inadvertent whistle. It, it, a play of that magnitude, that part of the game it, to, to when it, the play actually happens and and everybody's piled up at the goal line, the ball comes loose into the end zone and you say, well, I blew my whistle. let's just do it again. That is some of the worst officiating I have ever seen. I've never seen a play that big handled that poorly by an officiating crew. I just have to say it because that was awful. Um, And and if I'm to Creek, that infuriates me that FPC got, had another shot uh, at at running it in there. It didn't happen, but uh, I, I would, I would be infuriated if I was them and then FPC on their end, they felt like they got in the first time. So if they did get in the first time and you're saying it didn't even count, That's even worse on the FPC side. So uh, like I said, I've never seen a play that big handled that poorly by an officiating crew. And if you don't believe me, Go back and watch the broadcast, Flagler Radio YouTube channel. Check out that moment in the game. You can feel the magnitude of the situation, the atmosphere, the whole thing. Uh, and and for that to be the outcome, that we're going to redo this because you blew your whistle by accident, You know, maybe that's okay. You can get away with that in the first quarter. But in the fourth quarter, it, that hurt both teams, depending on what scenario you're looking at there. If you're the Bulldogs, we punched it in. How dare you take that away from us and tell us we got to do this again? If you're Tacoy Creek, you believed you stopped them. How dare you make us play this down again? This is nonsense. So that was crazy. And there were other examples last night. You know, we we have issues from week to week with the officials. But to me, that was the most egregious thing I've seen all year. And it hurt both teams.
1: I'm not even sure it makes the top three of most egregious things <laughs> I've seen this year. You know, to be honest, and...
0: We could I'm do a whole show on that, I guess. You know,
1: yeah. I, but the I've playoffs were on
0: the this. line here, Mike. That's why That's it's true. the situation. That's it's this the stakes stuff. That- FPC
1: playing for their season. That you could argue, and to, to Coach Daniel Fish's credit, and you'll hear from him in a few minutes. He said that that was not the reason they lost. I'm sure it didn't help. And you could question why would they even go for the elephant there? But you got to look at a couple things. We talked about the first part. The elephant had not been stopped the whole night. It was averaging about six and a half yards to carry the whole night. The other part of it is that FPC had just finished a 14-play drive that took up five minutes of clock. So Tokoy's defense had been on the field a while at that point. And it, it, it it didn't even matter, you know, you have a tired defense. So it made sense to me why you would do it. I could see the argument. You didn't get it the first time. Maybe you just take that as a sign to go ahead and kick the extra point. But on the other hand, they had a kick block tonight as well. So maybe at that point, I mean, how would you feel if you're on the other side of that? So you can second guess and say, oh, they shouldn't have gone the second time. On the other hand, if they go to kick the extra point and it gets blocked, you, you know what you're going to be saying? Why didn't you go and try the elephant again when it hadn't been stopped and they'd been on the field the whole night?
0: Yeah, and you mentioned they had a field goal blocked, and every extra point it seemed like Decoy Creek was right in there and close to blocking it. So it was no guarantee. And you're right, if you run it the first time and then you're going to get a second shot at it and you get a field goal block, you miss it, whatever happens, everybody's going to say, well, if you do the elephant the first time, why didn't you do it the second time? So um, I really I like the aggressive nature of, of the call there. You know, if you're in that, if you're in that stadium, you're watching that game before not looking at it afterwards, but before you just have the feeling that there's no way they're stopping it uh, because it seemed unstoppable all night. It just uh, man. They were, they stopped it there. <laughs> what can you say? Uh, well, I guess it's the, deba- I don't know. I still question what exactly happened there, especially on the first one. So uh, I'm not sure the officiating
1: crew knows exactly yeah. what happened there. To be honest, I mean this is
0: a game where we had a, and I have to mention I don't like to get on the officials, but you just have to bring these things up, and someone has to to prove to me that this is possible that you can have on the same play offsides against the offense and offsides against the defense, encroachment on the defense, and offsides on the offense, offsetting penalties, replay the down. I would think that's impossible, but that's what we saw. We saw on the same play offsides against each side of the ball. It should be impossible, Mike. <laughs> Even the, the officials should know that, right? I mean, well, the thing is
1: that if there's a false, if, if there's if both players moved, it's one of two things: the offsides fall, force the offensive player to false start, or the false start for, force the player to jump offsides. It can't be both. And you know, so that one was a little bit of a head scratcher. And that's where I know a lot of people say, and I do, I, I get on officials a lot. But these are the things I get on them for. You miss a holding call, and I missed a few. That's gonna happen. You can't get the basic stuff right. You are wrong. You can't get the basic stuff wrong. Offsides versus false start can't offset because one one triggered the other. Kickoffs out of bounds. You gotta know where kickoff out of bounds is. You know, those are the things that I get on. Know the basic rules. Know the. That, I'm not expecting them to be perfect. You know, I thought some of the pass interference calls were questionable, but they're judgment calls. That's not a judgment call. You, you're looking down the line, and you're looking to see if anyone moves into your line of sight. You throw the flag. Whichever way that that, that image that jumped into your line of sight came from, you jump the flag. And I want, but I do want to kind of pivot a little bit because we haven't really talked about it. Tokoi got out on front 8-0, FPC tied at 8-8, and then Tokoy had two straight scores to make it 22-8. And with 45 seconds left in the first half, Tokoy's getting the ball back to start the second half. FPC is first and 10 at their own 20. FPC is 45 seconds away from really being out of that game because if Tokoi gets the ball and scores in the first half, and at the start of the second half, It's a three-touchdown game, and that game is over. And what a great call by Jake Medlock. What a great throw by Caden Gonzalez. And how about Roman Caliendo? We knew he was quick. We didn't know he had breakaway speed like that.
0: Oh, yeah, complete breakaway speed in the middle of the field. You figure a safety, somebody's going to get him around the 50, the 45-yard line, but they couldn't catch that kid, man. He was gone for a tight end to run 80 yards and, and nobody can catch him. That shows he's got a lot of athletic ability and talent. And with that play and, and the hundred yards on, on three receptions uh, I think you agree. He was the FPC player of the game last night.
1: I'm going to throw a curveball out there. I'm going to throw another player out there actually rich, but I, I, I do agree with you, but Mikhail's Isaac tonight, four catches, 75 yards, two touchdowns, you know, his last two catches went for 34, then 38 um, to get FPC back in the game. He had a great game, too. So, yeah, I agree with you, Roman Caliendo, player of the game. But I do want to shout out Mikhail Isaac because he played one of his best games tonight as well. And really, I thought Cody Newton played a good game. You know, of course, Marcus Mitchell, he seems to always play a good game. Defensively, they were tested tonight. It was a tough night. Julio Santiago, Javon Welch um Zayden Erasmus the big tight end that's a tough receiving core Hudson Brewer their second tight end had a big night I'll tell you what I've seen a lot of Tokoy this year I saw them in their spring scrimmage I saw them in their summer scrimmage I saw them against Matanzas so I've seen them quite a few times this is the fourth time I've seen them and that receiving group looked as good as it ever has and I really thought despite all that I thought Given the circumstances that the FPC defense played fairly well, they played well enough to keep them in the game. They played well enough to keep the game from getting out of control. And it just goes to show you how close FPC is. Yeah. They're, 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 there's a good chance they lose to the land next week. They drop to three and seven. But I think if they win this game, that they lost 29 28, if they beat University, that they beat lost 29 I think they get into the playoffs. At, even at 5-5, five and five, I think they would have made the playoffs this year. And, you know, we talked to Daniel Fisher, you and I both talked to him after the game, and he was absolutely devastated. And you could hear it in his voice. You know, he wants it so bad for these kids. He really does. Hard-fought game tonight, came down to the end.
2: They were just a hair better than you tonight. Oh, I'm proud of our guys, man. They fought all the way up until the last whistle. Um, you know, I thought we got it. I thought we got the two point conversion twice, um, but it was called differently. No blame at all past towards the officials. There's plenty of other areas where we could have done better and, and, made some more plays, but, you know, hats off to the, to the other team and the other coaching staff. They made one more play than we did and, and they came out on top, but I'm proud of the way we fought and battled. You know, we've been through a lot this year and we've lost at the same very score earlier in the year. And if we're on the opposite side of both of those. And, you know, we're probably in a position that to get into those playoffs. So we've, we've learned a lot of hard lessons this year. And I think it'll benefit us in the future. My heart goes out for our seniors. Um, you know, they probably saw the, the door close on, on their senior year on that one. And, you know, proud of those guys. They led us all year. We have a small group of seniors You know a lot of a lot of guys returning and coming back. So we're excited about that. But just want to give a lot of praise to our seniors who came in and, and lost a lot of guys from their group in the off season, and they were leaders of our football team. They made plays for us all year long, and you know, seeing them react with with that raw emotion, I really respect that because it shows how much they care and how much it means to them. So, just want to give a shout out to our seniors and, and our whole football team. Man, it was a good fight, and you know, we just we, we beat ourselves up a lot, and that's kind of what you expect out of a young team who's, who's seen a lot of injuries and a lot of guys go throughout the year. So, you know, we got new faces out there every week, and. You know, good coaches and good football teams know how to capitalize on that. So we were just one play short. You guys fought extremely hard. And talk about the decision to go for the win, go for the lead there
0: late in the game with the elephant on the two-point conversion.
2: Oh, man, we we ran the elephant to perfection all night long. And I knew we were doing that when we crossed the 50-yard line. So I was like, look, we're going for two and we're calling elephant out there. When we got um, first and goal, I told them, you know, we got a uh, timeout on their side, or maybe it was an injury. Um, and I told them, look, elephant, running it, line it right back up for the two-point conversion and be ready to go. And, um, you know, they, they gave them opportunity to sub in. And, you know, on the earth, inverted whistle, I was pretty sure we got across um, before the inverted whistle as well. And then the second one, I couldn't I couldn't really tell. It looked like they initially stopped him, and then Kronk got across and got the ball across. but. It is what it is, man. They, they, they made some good plays at the end and, and took advantage of some, some of our weaknesses and some of our youth and, you know, all, all the praise to them and a lot of praise to our guys as well, man. It was a hard-fought game, and I just really feel for them. I feel for our guys right now. Things are still raw, but is there
1: any consolation? Is When you look back after this season with such a young team, with all the adversity your team's coming over, overcome, is there any part of you that'll say you know
2: we were two points away, three points away from being a playoff team? Yeah, you know I think that that's obviously you know a positive way of looking at it, and you know I'm I'm just so competitive. So for me, it's you know, we're two plays away from being in, and, and you know we've we've played the best teams the state, the overall state has to offer. So I felt like we could have got in and played with anybody, at least competed with anybody. And um, but yeah, you know that, that's definitely looking on the bright side and. I'm proud of our guys. It, we've been through so much in the off-season and during the season, um, and I tell you what, our kids aren't quitters. They're fighters, and you know it's something really positive to look forward to. And like I said, we're learning a real a lot of really hard lessons that I hope will really benefit us in our future.
0: Yeah, and that's um, a that's a, what I noticed is that there was no quit in the fight because you guys kept going down and you kept coming back you were down at halftime you come back to the game you were down you come back again just talk about your team and the fact that you guys and you've seen in other, in other games this year as well you guys there is no quitting you guys you just keep coming at whoever you're playing
2: yeah absolutely you know they're they're a resilient group and, and they're their group that you put their back against the wall they're just going to swing and and hope to you know catch them catch somebody with, with a good punch and uh, that's, you know, I think that's something you get from our coaching staff as well. I'm not going to quit. I'll, I'll burn timeouts knowing that we can't stop the fight. It doesn't matter. You know, we we preach it to them all the time, and it's not something that we really even have to harp on with them because it, they're just not quitters, man. They're kids that, that fight all the way to the end, and they always believe they have a shot. And, um, you know, we tell them all the time, you're never out of the fight. It just takes one good punch, and you'll get back into it. So really, really proud of the fight, the the competition level, and, it's, it's hard to put the words together, man. Looking at that score, that mm-hmm. score gives me nightmares. It's going to give me nightmares for a long time. So,
0: Yeah, but they could leave that field with their heads held high. They did fight hard. They lose by one point. They were inches away from winning the game. All right, Micah, the other team in town had a tough loss in Menendez, and I believe there was another Mike Licio watching that game.
1: Yes, and so – we brought this up against the – actually, it's funny. We brought this up uh, this segment. We call, I had a name for this for the other Matanzas loss. And so I'm going to go back to Michael the third, my son, who was at the Matanzas game. Matanzas is 0-2 with you in the building. I think Matt Forrest is going to have security check you in the door. But I, we bring Michael back in for a segment I call, What the Hell Happened? So, Michael, 14-12, Menendez against Matanzas. What the hell
3: happened? A game of punts and
0: penalties. <laughs> punts I... and penalties. <laughs> How exciting. <laughs>
1: they they got to experience the officiating crews that we experience every <laughs> week down in um, Flatler County. So, you know, it came down to a couple plays. You know, um, I know there was a big there was a sequence of turnovers that really hurt the um, Pirates. You know, tell us about that. First of all, you know, there was a turnover sequence you told us about before we came on. Talk about that real quick. Jordan Mills
3: jumps the route, makes a great play on the ball, takes it back for about 10 yards, puts, puts Matanzas in a great position to score, and the first play on the offense, unfortunately, unfortunately Cole Hash fumbles the ball, and Menendez recovers.
1: So... The other thing about tonight, you know, I know Cash Downey had two touchdown passes for the Falcons. Cash is an, actually he's just a freshman and he's a little freshman Gamble Rogers Stingray great Cash Downey. But what was he doing tonight that was giving the Pirates so much trouble?
3: He really was just being he was able to he was able to locate the ball everywhere on the field really. It felt like it felt like he could get if he needed to, he could get the deep ball. He could get the check downs, he'd get the medium routes. It just he was able to get everything in there.
1: And that's understandable. Cash Downey, he's one of he's only a freshman. He's one of the most underrated. He's probably the most underrated quarterback in St. John's County. I'll go ahead and say that. So he's a very good quarterback. Um the Pirates had a couple of positive notes. Um, you know, talk about at the end of the game, you know, the Pirates get it to 14-12. What happened there to get them back in the game? A beautiful 30-yard.
3: Touchdown catch by Jordan Mills. Jordan Mills, sorry. Jordan Mills in the back of the end zone, in the back right hand corner, just goes up for the ball, gets the feed in to put them into that situation to
1: get back in this game. And then the Falcons gave the Pirates one more chance. And so, how did the game end? On, you know, how did the Pirates' chances end?
3: Incomplete third down pass and then
1: on fourth down, I they tried to run it and it did not work. But there was a I Menendez turnover after the game seemed out of reach. Soto fumbled in the end yes. zone and got um and Matanzas had one more chance. So that's a tough loss for Matanzas, which um you know the playoff situation's changed for Matanzas. They went from a win and they probably have a home game in two weeks to, you know, I don't think they're on the bubble, but I think they are going to be on the bottom half of the bracket. There was a lot of movement. Menendez has moved themselves in the playoff position. A big win by Rickards has them in the playoff position. Milberg lost. Fort Walton Beach lost. So this was a chance for Matanzas to really secure that position. And we'll have to find out next week, you know, how the Pirates respond from this, but the playoffs are still in the picture for them. FPC's chances are pretty much gone. Um, but there's still a lot to play for next week for the
0: Matanzas Pirates. Yeah, a lot to play for next week for the Pirates. Winter Springs will be there at this ship for their final game of the season. The FPC Bulldogs look to end on a positive note as they play DeLand at Sal Campanella. We'll see. Oh, man, only one game left. And then the playoffs, hopefully. Have a great weekend, Flagler County. We'll see you next time.